0: Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. This morning, I am really excited about the message that I'm going to bring. I've entitled it, I Believe in Signs and Wonders. That's a, that's a statement of faith, but it's also a line from a song. As we've been singing that song, it's, I believe in signs and wonders. Uh, it just got in my heart, and we're going to talk about miracles again. This is going to be the last part of talking about miracles. I could go on and on and on. I have story after story after story to share with you. But I think that three weeks will get our faith stirred. In the New Testament, miracles appear very often, Here's just three texts. Acts chapter five, verse 12. look what it says. "The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Signs and wonders is just another name for miracles. Acts 14:3 says this, "But the apostles stayed there a long time. this was in the city they were preaching, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord, and look what happened. And the Lord proved their message. He proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. The Apostle Paul, in looking back over his ministry in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 12, says, The Gentiles were convinced of the power, or excuse me, by the power. The Gentiles were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and the power of God's Spirit. The early church saw plenty of miracles. And miracles, signs, and wonders are still taking place today. God is at work in our world. For further reading, uh, before I get into everything we're going to go on today, I am recommending two books Miracles Today by Craig Keenan, or Keener, let me just, by Craig Keener, and The Case for Miracles A Journalist Investigates Evidence for the Supernatural by Lee Strobel. Great, great books to show. The miracle, stories, filled with stories about God's miraculous work currently in the world. Now, what is a miracle? And there's a note sheet this morning. Uh, hopefully you saw the new thing at the front door that, so you won't forget to pick up a note sheet and a prayer sheet. Um, I have the definition on it coming up on the screen. What is a miracle? That's the definition I like. A miracle is a wonder or marvel that defies rational explanation. A miracle is a sign, or excuse me, a miracle is a wonder or marvel that defies rational explanation. It's a supernatural work of God. Now, point one in your notes, a primary purpose of miracles, a primary purpose of miracles is to show unbelievers the power of God so that they can believe in Jesus. A primary purpose of miracles is to show unbelievers the power of God so that they can believe in Jesus. We already read two passages. I'm just going to repeat them. Acts 14.3, but the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord, and the Lord proved their message was true. Proved their message was true by giving them the power to do miraculous signs and wonders. And Paul again in Romans chapter 5.19, the Gentiles were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit. God uses miracles to help people to believe. Now, a miracle doesn't solve it for everyone. There are people that have seen true miracles that have chosen not to believe. You believe in Jesus Christ by a step of faith, even in light of a miracle. And we'll see in the text, and you'll see in the New Testament, many people saw a miracle especially the high priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, they saw miracles, but they still wouldn't believe in Jesus Christ. That is sad, but that is a true thing. But many people are brought to the Lord by seeing miracles. Mallory, would you make your way to the stage? Mallory has shared this story with me before. She actually wrote it to me just recently, reminding me of it of a miracle that happened in her life. And this has only been in the past couple of years that this took place because it was during COVID because I was at the event that you're going to talk about. So Mallory's going to share a story of a miracle.
1: Um, I suffer from kidney stones. And so if you've ever had a kidney stone, you know how awful they are. And um, so I tend to get them. Everybody in my family gets them. It's one of those things. And in the medical community, you know, you you can't, do much about them, but you can break them up with a laser. And so when we were living in Honduras, um, like 11-ish years ago, um, I had a kidney stone that was about seven millimeters, which is a medium-sized one, and there's no, really no medical treatment there that they could give me, so I just had to deal with it. And it was probably the most horrible pain of my life. I think I would birth three more children before I would do that again, and so I couldn't do anything about it. I just had to suffer through it. It was awful, and so then the weekend of Jenny and Trey's wedding, we were going to um, play music for her wedding, and we were getting ready to head out, and then I knew I had had a kidney. I knew I had another kidney stone, um, the same size as that one, but I had scheduled a laser treatment because we were now here, and um, but I woke up that morning that we were supposed to leave, and I knew It was moving and I knew that it was too late to get it lasered because once it starts moving that's it and so I knew I was in for it I felt the pain and so I was sitting there on the couch just thinking like what are we going to do because the last time it took three weeks um and at the end it was the worst so I knew it wasn't going to be over fast and I was afraid we were going to have to miss the wedding and things like that so um Nathaniel had been praying for me in the other room, but he told me later that he felt God tell him, no, you need to go lay your hands on her and pray for her. So he came out, prayed for me, and of course I didn't have much hope that anything would change, um, because I'd never experienced anything like that before. And so um, I drove myself to urgent care, and while I was driving, I noticed that I really didn't have any pain anymore. But, you know, in the back of my mind I was still thinking, no, it's gonna come back, it's just in a good place or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I went through the urgent care, and the whole time I was sitting there, I'm thinking, I, I feel fine, you know, but I didn't tell them that because I didn't want them to think I was crazy. So I went home after that. He gave me some medicine for the pain and some medicine to, to help it pass faster or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I got home. And, you know, I, I, I was like, this is so weird. So um, I'll spare you the details, but in the end, um, I was able to retrieve the kidney stone. And um, this was all happening, by the way, within about five to ten minutes after Nathaniel laid his hands on me. And I still have it in a little baggie. It, when it came out, it came out in two pieces, which does not happen with kidney stones um, without laser treatment or whatever. Um, and so to me, um, to not have to, and then we went on, we went to Jenny's wedding and everything was fine. And, um, I've never in my life experienced a kidney stone breaking in two within five minutes of it, leaving my kidney. So, um, to me, that was a huge miracle, huge blessing and, and, uh, you know, everything that weekend went great. And so I praise God for that.
0: Just one second, I guess. I just want to make sure I understood something that you wrote to me. Isn't that what Nathaniel prayed?
1: Uh, yeah, I think he said he prayed that it would be broken up, right? Yeah, yes, he's prayed that out.
0: was the prayer. So God answered that prayer specifically, and then you had the evidence of it. Uh, he is a good God doing miracles today. I want you to take your Bible in whatever format that you have and turn to Mark's Gospel, the second chapter. We're going to look at another story of uh, Jesus doing a miracle. And there is three words in this story. Three words that I'm going to point out after it's been read, three words that I hope is gonna cause faith to rise in some of your hearts. Mark chapter two, we're starting in verse one. You probably have heard this story before. Maybe you've been aware of these three words, but when I started to study this again, those three words stood out to me, and it's one of the points that, in fact, it's one of the major points I'm gonna be making this week about miracles. Follow along with me in your Bibles or on the screen. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a map. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? It's a rhetorical question. But easy, it's easy to say, your sins are forgiven. There's no way you could prove whether that man's sins are forgiven or not. I could tell Evan his sins are forgiven, and I don't know if they've been forgiven or not, because it's easy to say. But if he was lame, and I said, rise up and walk, and he rises up, there's power. And Jesus said, Well, let's see what he said. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, starting in verse 9 again, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, Walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Let me just paint a little picture for you before I get to those three words. I'm just paint a picture. This man, this man was carried by four. They had heard that Jesus was in the area. Don't know how far they walked or how long they walked. The man couldn't get there on his own, so he had four friends or four acquaintances or four family members that picked him up. All we know is that there were four individuals, picked him up, and then they got to the house. Now, for some of us, as soon as we would have gotten to a house that was filled, the doors closed, people are standing around the outside. If there are any windows, they're there. It is packed. It is jam-packed. I don't think it was anything like the concert in um, Houston that was that packed, although there are some that say there was probably no room in that house. They were, they were cramped together. It was so full that when you would have walked to that door, you said, well, um, this, is, this is me sometimes. I just give up way too quick. Uh, there is um, there's no room. Let's catch him another day. Or maybe when he comes out of the house, let's, let's stand here. But those men who were carrying this paralyzed man would not, would not give up. They looked around for another option. They looked around for a creative option. They looked around and did something that actually did damage to property. Houses in those days oftentimes used the roof as an outside room. Because during the day, it would get hot inside. So almost every house had a ladder or some type of a stair that would go up to the top. And very often on top of these homes, grass would be growing. Actual grass would be growing because the, the roof was partially dirt. They got up on the roof. It was a strong roof. And they began to remove things that were in between rafters, joists. They built their roofs similar they would have these um, wooden beams that held up the rest, but you could actually take out between the beams all of the dirt and all of the other things. And as he took the things out, dirt was falling down in, and they opened a hole large enough. Now, this is my own personal opinion. I have a feeling that they wanted to get into Jesus quickly, that they probably didn't open a hole large enough for the man to be lowered um, in a... um, a laying position this is my own personal opinion and this would have been frightening for me if i was the man i think they tied him in such a way and they made just enough of a hole that they could drop him down vertically not horizontally on the mat possibly they used what he was what he was on possibly they used robes but they got him down in front of jesus and now let's talk about the three words They got him in front of Jesus, and what did Jesus say? Coming up on the screen, three words. Seeing their faith. Seeing their faith. You say, what's so special about those three words? He didn't see the man's faith. He saw their faith. The four people that carried him's faith? and the man's faith possibly, but definitely the four people that carried him went to all of the extra effort to go on the roof, to cut a hole, to drop him down into a room that was just packed. They believed so much in what Jesus would do. They wanted to get their friend in front of him no matter what. And when Jesus looked at what was going on, the Bible said he saw their faith, not just the man's, but the man and the people that brought him. Now, this is our second point this morning, and this is a key point. This man received his miracle because of the faith of others combined with him. Point two, please. This man received his miracle because of the faith of others combined with him. You may be here today, and you're saying, I just can't break through. Maybe you need to get some others around you praying and believing with you. Maybe you could be an other to someone else. You've been seeing someone who has been praying for a long time for something. Would you be someone that can help them to get to Jesus through your prayers? Jesus said seeing their faith, that man was healed not just by his own faith, that man was healed by the faith of others. That is what brought him to Jesus. That is what got him his touch, and we can be that to one another uh, Kathy McNamee visited with me recently this week, and she told a story about one of her own healings. happened a long time ago. Would you make your way to the platform, Kathy, and share with us what God did for you many years ago?
2: Um, at the age of six years old, my uh, family found an excessive amount of blood in my stool, so they immediately rushed me to the emergency room And the doctors took x-rays and found that when I was born, I was born with a double kidney on my left side. And the top kidney had rotted and turned to pulp, causing the blood. Um, The doctors came out and told my parents what was going on. My parents called our pastor immediately, and our pastor called our church to prayer. It was an all-night vigil. They took me into the operating room um, the next morning And the doctor was not even in there very long. He came out just shaking his head saying, I don't understand, I just don't understand. And my parents asked him what? And he said, we have evidence through her x-rays that she had a double kidney and that top kidney had totally rotted. But there is no sign whatsoever of that rotted kidney. There is only one perfectly healthy kidney left in her. So they just sewed me up and sent me home.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Let me uh, help you find the steps here. There you go. I, uh, when I uh, was talking with Kathy on Wednesday, when she shared with me the story, I said, you know, why would God do it that way? Why couldn't he have done it before they got into her Don't know why. She says she has a nice scar to prove that she had surgery. Our God is awesome. Now, interesting. Notice that the family who were praying individuals called the pastor who called the church. Again, I really believe that there is is power in groups of people praying. Sure, sometimes God manifests his healing presence just when you pray. But there are times, and I, I wonder sometimes if we don't take advantage of this enough, Other people joining with us. One of the reasons that I open the front of the church every Sunday morning and I have individuals who pray for people is so that somebody else can pray. Something happens when we pray that doesn't happen when we don't, but something else happens when we pray as a group that possibly will not happen if we don't. Thank you, Kathy, for sharing that. It's amazing what our God does. Point three this morning. This man received his miracle because of the persistence of others. Not only did this man receive the miracle because of the faith of others, but the persistence of others. These men would not give up. They carried him, and they found a way to get him in front of Jesus. If they would have gone home, the man wouldn't have been healed. Maybe he might have encountered Jesus at another time, but sometimes you just don't take a chance that you'll ever be in this place again. And they worked, and they worked, climbing on a roof, digging a hole, getting the man in front of Jesus, and their persistence paid off because the man received his miracle. There are times we need the faith and persistence of our friends to help us receive from Jesus. And there are times our friends need our faith and persistence to help them to break through to a miracle. I'm going to share with you now what I believe is the reason that the Lord has brought me to share with you this morning and this is what I want you to hear. Everything I've said before was just to warm you up to this. I'm going to take us back to John 14. We studied this passage in the last several month or in the last month or so on the screen. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Just firstly, I I want you to see that top line there. Jesus, I tell you the truth. The old versions would say truly, truly, or verily, verily. Jesus is making a statement of truth. He's God. He cannot lie. But he wants us to know that this statement is true. And he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, And even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. How many of you have believed, and no show of hands, because I think the, the, the numbers are relatively small, because they've been small for me. This has been stirring in my heart. How many of you have actually prayed for miracles, How many of you have really gone with faith for miracles? A friend laying hands on a friend, uh, praying for a financial miracle, praying for a a miracle uh, in, in, in a child, praying for miracles. See, we know what the text says, but do we really believe the text? We know the text says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Maybe I should ask it this way. How many of you have done a greater work? How many of you have done even one of the works of Jesus? Has someone been divinely healed? Has someone received some type of miraculous touch? Way too often, we don't. Because we don't have the faith in ourselves that God has in us. I read this statement by Michael Todd from his book Crazy Faith coming up on the screen. If Jesus had the audacity to have that level of faith in us, What's stopping us from believing we can do great things? If Jesus had the audacity to have that level of faith in us... What's stopping us from believing we can do great things? Jesus had faith in you and Jesus had faith in me that we would start believing what he said. We would start asking for big things. Too often when we pray, the biggest thing we ask for is a blessing on our food. Or the biggest thing that we ask for is safety as we travel. Or the biggest thing we ask for is, you know, uh, may I keep my job? We need to start believing Jesus. Believing Jesus that He said, I tell you the truth. Because you believe in me, you will do the works I have done and even greater works. Point four in your notes on the back side of your note sheet. Point four. Jesus wants us to pray for and expect miracles for ourselves, for yourself, and for others. Jesus wants that. But I know that many of us struggle with believing that God would want to use us to do a miracle, that we could speak over someone and they could be healed, that we could share a word like happened to Pastor Evan a while ago, but he shared about it last week, that someone had something dropped in their heart and that they gave him on paper written down the exact words that God had spoken to him before. Kathy did not have to have a rotted kidney removed from her body because God took it. The only reason for opening her up is to prove what God had already done. We need to become, I believe that God is calling us to become a people who are going to take him at his word and begin to confess and to, and to speak over and to pray for miraculous things. Um, because of the time that I have left, I'm sorry, because I have something coming up right now, but I appreciate you wanting to do that. If you'll share it with me, possibly we could use it at another time. I want you to watch this video. Lee Strobel, the gentleman who wrote the second book that I spoke about, investigated a number of things. He investigated this miracle, and he's going to tell you about it. If you'll watch the screens.
3: Now, my book talks about lots of of, of the documented miracles that have taken place, but the one that I investigated that absolutely blew me away the most was a woman by the name of Barbara Snyder. I interviewed Barbara at length. We have extensive medical records from her, uh, dating back many years from the Mayo Clinic and, and her other physicians. We have multiple credible eyewitnesses with no motive to deceive. We have two of her doctors who were so blown away by what happened to her, they wrote about it in books. Because they said, I gotta write about this is unbelievable. So let me tell you what happened to Barbara. Barbara was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at the Mayo Clinic. For the next several years, she just deteriorated, got worse and worse. She had repeated hospitalizations, repeated surgeries, until ultimately she was dying. And they put her in hospice at her home. So she's confined to bed at her home. One of her physicians, Dr. Harold P. Adolph, a board-certified surgeon who had performed 25,000 operations in his career, he called Barbara, quote, one of the most hopelessly ill patients I ever saw. Hopelessly ill. One of her lungs was non-functional. The other was just inflated at 50%. A tube was inserted into her neck, and oxygen was pumped from canisters in her garage so she could breathe. She'd lost control of her urination and her bowels. She was legally blind. All she could see were were uh, gray shadows. Uh, A feeding tube was inserted into her stomach. She hadn't walked in like seven years, and so her legs had atrophied. Her muscles had had shrunken, and and her legs atrophied. And, And she was curled up like a pretzel in her bed from her illness. Her hands were flexed so that her fingers were touching her wrists, and her feet were permanently flexed and extended. Her parents met with doctors, and they agreed there's nothing more medically that could be done And they said the next time she contracts pneumonia, which because of her lung situation, she would contract it on a regular basis. They would not try to revive her because it would just prolong her inevitable death. Well, then one day, someone, a friend, called WMBI, which is the radio station in Chicago that's run by the Moody Bible Institute, a Christian radio station. And they said, would you announce And just ask people to pray for Barbara. Barbara's on her deathbed. Um, She's really suffering. Um, Would you please have people pray? And we know that a minimum of 450 Christians began to pray for Barbara. How do we know? Because they sent letters telling Barbara, we're praying for you. So what happened? I'm going to let Barbara... Uh, describe to you what happened next, to tell you herself what happened on Pentecost Sunday with her friends who came to her to read her some of these encouraging letters that the people who were praying for her had written to her. So let's watch Barbara. June 7th,
4: 1981, I'll never forget it. It was a day like any other day for me. That was one spent confined to bed, unable to breathe on my own, hooked up to machines, a tracheostomy tube in my neck, my arms curled up, my legs curled up. I lay there trapped inside my own body is really how it felt. I had two friends over. They came over all the time. They were from my church. My church family never forgot me. Mm. So while they were there, I still remember exactly what they were reading when all of a sudden um, I heard a booming, authoritative, loud voice over my shoulder over here say my child get up and walk
3: and there was nobody else in the room and
4: there was no one else in the room and the door was over here there were windows over this way and instantly i knew it was god but instantly i also knew that my friends didn't hear that hmm. which is kind of interesting too yeah. um, and i needed to share with them what i heard well i had this tracheostomy tube in my neck that's how i breathed and i had hands that did not work So my friends said, whenever I looked agitated, they knew I wanted to talk. So they'd come and plug the hole in my neck. And I said, I don't know what you're going to think about this, but God just told me to get up and walk. And my friends got really quiet. (laughs) I know, but he really did tell me to get up and walk. Run, get my family. I want them to be here. And um, my friends all of a sudden jumped up. And while they jumped, so did I. I was so excited, I couldn't wait for anyone. And I literally jumped out of the bed. This, this is where you'd almost have to have known me to see how totally impossible that was. So this time, I remember reaching up and pulling my oxygen off my neck. I remember that. And then I jumped toward the voice. My friends are over here, but I jumped towards the voice. And as I jumped up, the first thing I remember isn't what I would think I would remember, but I jumped out of the bed, and I looked, and I saw my feet. They were flat on the ground, just like everyone else's, which sounds normal, but not for me. I had foot drops so badly I couldn't even wear slippers on my feet. They were so curled. So when I jumped up to have feet flat, I was amazed and stood staring at my feet. And when I did that, I jumped like this, and then I saw my hands. And they were open, and they never opened. And so now they were open, and I stood staring at them, and then it dawned on me I could see me. That's what I would have thought I would have noticed Mm. first was my vision, but I didn't. It was back.
3: You could see it. it. was
4: back. I was perfectly fine. And I stood staring again for a little while, just feeling what it felt like to look at and see me. And then I turned, and that's when we were like women. We all started jumping up and down, screaming and thanking the Lord. I remember I didn't understand anything except where once I was real sick, I was well again and it has to be God, that's all I knew.
3: (laughs) Barbara was instantly and thoroughly healed. Her eyesight was immediately restored. Her lungs immediately back to normal. Her mother came running into the room and fell to her knees and began to feel her calves. She said, your muscles are back. Her muscle tone had returned instantly to her legs so she could walk after seven years. Um, Her father came in and, and, and hugged her and then began waltzing with her around the room. Well, this was a Sunday that this happened, and there was a church service that night at her church, which was Wheaton Wesleyan Church in suburban Chicago. They were holding a service, and so at the point in the service, a pastor gets up and says, now, does anybody have any announcements they want to mention? And with that, Barbara began to stroll down the aisle in front of everybody, who had only known her for all these years as being curled up in a wheelchair or sick in bed. She comes strolling down the aisle, and the place erupts, and people begin singing, Amazing Grace, I once was blind, and now I see. The next morning, she went to one of her doctors, Dr. Thomas Marshall, an internist for 30 years. And when he saw her walking toward him down the corridor, he said later, my first reaction was, oh, she died, and this is a ghost. (laughs) That's the only way he could account for it. His response was this, quote, this is medically impossible. Friends, God instantly and completely and astoundingly healed Barbara in one miraculous moment. This is, there's no natural explanation for this. This was not some sort of um, spontaneous remission which happens over a period of time and the illness often comes back. This was instantaneous, her eyesight returning, her lungs reinflating, her entire body immediately healed and how would you explain that voice telling her to get up and walk? This would be like a voice telling you, get up and fly. And you'd say, well, I can't do that. That's how wild it was for her. Say, get up and walk after all these years. And yet she heard that. How do you explain that? Well, the illness has never come back today. This happened more than 30 years ago. Today, Barbara is married uh, to a pastor. And they have a little church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And one of her doctors wrote this, quote, I have never witnessed anything like this before or since and considered it a rare privilege to observe the hand of God performing a true miracle. Our God
0: is still doing miracles today. But I think what's happened is his people have not yet believed that he wants to do them through us. And this is what... I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and now it's going to be a bit of a risk for some of us, all of us possibly. What I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to do today is to speak a gift of faith into anyone who would say, you know, Pastor, I would like to have the faith to begin to just do this kind of praying. Now, you're going to have to step out. It's going to be a risk. But... What I want you to do is I want you to take a step of faith and to say, I need a supernatural gift of faith that I will be able to, that I will take the risk to pray for people. I am just going to speak it over you. I don't know what else the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you would say today, that you want to be able to take Jesus at his word, because you're a believer. And he said, anyone who believes in me will be able to do the works that I have done even greater. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. If you would like to... Have God impart a supernatural gift of faith. That's what I believe he wants to do today. I'm taking a risk and even asking you to come forward, but I believe that's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Would you stand up and just stand across the front if that's what you want today? You want me to speak over you and for God to release in you a supernatural gift of faith. Would you stand and come? Any. That you can begin to pray and speak over people And that God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, can start doing the works of Jesus, the works of Jesus and even greater. Anyone else want to join them? I don't want to miss anybody. I want to speak over this group in faith. Then we're going to sing a closing song which talks about God's new wine. Anyone else like to join this group this morning? Anyone else? By your heads, by your hearts. Father, you see those who have come forward. Lord, they have taken a risk, they have taken a step of faith based on my encouragement that you are going to put upon them, put in them, faith that they can start stepping out and praying and believing and then seeing the works that you have done. Right now, Jesus, right now, Jesus, give them a faith. Give them a gift of faith. Every single person who stepped forward, give them a gift of faith this morning. And may it lodge in their heart, and may it remain in their heart, and may they see you doing what you promised you would do. For, Lord, you believe in them. You believe in those who have stood up today. You believe in them because you had said all they would have to do is believe in you, and they would do the works that you have done and even greater. Lord, they are here this morning. Father, there may be someone who is at home and unable to be here because of uh, physical infirmity, but they want a gift of faith also. Father, for that man, for that woman that's watching this morning, may a gift of faith be released in them today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, may faith begin to grow. Lord, I speak over myself. I speak over people on this platform that really would like to be down there, but Lord, because they know they're going to lead a song, they're not able to. I speak over some of the tech people who are staying at their post, but they really believe that they should be down here. They want their faith to grow. Father, you know who they are. Give them the same gift of faith that you have given to those who have come this morning to stand here. Thank you. Thank you. Let us begin to expand good and big things from you. Now, folks, you stay down here as long as you want. Meet with Jesus. Go back to your seats. We're going to sing a song, and then I'm going to come back and close the service. For the rest of you, would you rise and follow the team? Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.